How Old? When Archaeology Conflicts with the Bible by Gavin Cox Originally published November 2018 Archaeology team finds 9,000-year-old artifacts in Nubo Cedar Rapids, Iowa neighborhood, declares an article from a recent edition of the Gazette. As biblical creationists, we are used to seeing claims of millions and billions of years for fossils and rocks. These supposedly tell of long epochs of time and evolution, and we have become adept at putting such claims into biblical perspective. According to the Bible, there was no death or bloodshed of Nefesh Kaya life before Adam and Eve sinned. Hence, the fossils contained in rocks should be understood as post-fall, mostly arising from the Genesis flood, because fossils are preserved dead things. But what of claims of civilizations that, according to the biblical timeline, would predate the flood? Is it reasonable to accept that the will discovered in Slovenia is between 1500 and 5350 years old? Or that agriculture flourished and building projects were undertaken 12,000 years ago? Are these dates still in the biblical ballpark? Where do we draw the line when archaeologists claim that the oldest pottery is 18,300 years old? Or the remains of Mungo Man, the first reported Australian human, are 62,000 years old? Are these more recent dates derived from more reliable methods than the highly questionable radiometric dating techniques used to argue that rocks are millions of years old? Gets a bit confusing, doesn't it? But we're young earth creationists, right? Wrong. Scripture never uses the phrase young to describe the earth or humanity. Let me give you a few examples to put things in biblical perspective. Peter the Apostle in 2 Peter 2.5 uses the Greek word archaos to describe the world that was destroyed by the flood of Noah. In our English Bibles, that word is translated ancient in 20 versions or old in 6 versions. When Moses in Deuteronomy 33.15 blessed the 12 tribes of Israel with their possessions of land, he described the hills using the Hebrew word kidem, which is translated ancient in 25 versions, and old in one version. The Bible does not indicate youth when referring to the earth. For example, the hills and mountains are described as being very old. For example, see Habakkuk 3.6 and Ezekiel 36.2. So according to the Bible, the earth close to the time of Noah's flood is described as being ancient or old. The Hebrew Bible describes the nations which were considered to be old at the time of Israel's exile. For instance, in Jeremiah 5.15, it uses the Hebrew word olam when referring to the antiquity of Babylon. 1 Chronicles 4.22 contains genealogical information relating to the Moabites, which is described as being from ancient records by the Hebrew word antiochim, which means old. So in conclusion, we can say that according to the Bible, at 6,000 years old, the earth and humanity are ancient, not young. Genesis 5 gives chronogenealogical information for human history from Adam to Noah, and the table of nations in Genesis 10 gives Noah's three sons' family history. Genesis 11 gives the account of the Tower of Babel along with Shem's family line to Abraham. 
This has been extensively studied elsewhere, but it is useful to see the chronology of Adam to Abraham. So we can see that the period from creation to the flood is roughly 1650 years. Then from the flood to the birth of Abraham is a further 350 years. So the Bible gives us the chronological framework through which we can understand earth history and the timing of major events. Believing scripture to be inerrant, we judge the claims of secular historians and archaeologists against this record. Needless to say, this view is not popular in academia. Indeed, such a presuppositional approach would be considered heretical. The Bible as history was thrown out of academia after Darwin, first by liberal scholars in the secular universities, starting with the denial of Mosaic authorship of Genesis, and now, sadly, by most evangelical Bible colleges. Such a state of affairs has destroyed the faith of many. So what of the claims of 9,000-year-old artifacts found at Nubo, Iowa? This is clearly of an age far older than the biblical age for Earth itself, so must be rejected. The artifacts mentioned are hundreds of pieces of napped flint, as well as a handful of intact spear points. According to the article, 9,000 years ago, a group of men sat around a fire in what is now the Nubo neighborhood and repaired their hunting spears. The researchers David Ben and his team from Bear Creek Archaeology analyzed the available evidence, ancient soil, charcoal fragments, flint shards, and spearheads, and inferred their relationship to post-glacial, post-ice age soil reported to date from 10,000 BC. This was extracted from a test hole which turned up to quote, an ancient projectile point from a time which humans were first settling this part of North America. From a biblical perspective, we would place these finds as post-flood, as the flood was the cause of the Ice Age. We can narrow the date down further because humans first settled in North America post-Babel, an event which took place between 101 to 340 years after the flood. As for biblical dates for the migration of people groups to their present locations, the details are still being worked out and research is ongoing. The article mentions charcoal left by hunters which could offer the opportunity for carbon-14 dating. However, the article was not clear on the source of the 9,000-year-old claim, and the final archaeological report is not available as of the date of this writing. The local geology is described as loess, sands and gravels, and the area of the dig site the unit is said to encompass, to quote, deposits that accumulated primarily during the late Wisconsinan. This is a period believed to represent the end of the last ice age in North America, where multiple ice ages were supposed to have occurred. However, the evidence better shows that there was only one major ice age. Dates for the late Wisconsinan are derived from radiocarbon dating of wood found in the sediments. The authors of a paper that offer a chronology from the LW in Middle North America admit that dates derived from sediments are often contaminated by, to quote, older radiocarbon resulting in chronologic confusion. By using only dates from wood, much of the confusion disappears. But how much of the confusion disappears is dependent upon the presuppositions of the investigators. The area in question for Iowa is dated at a supposed 12,300 years BP. It can be noted from photos from the Gazette reports that layers were identified between periods in the exploratory pit dug where the artifacts were recovered. 
No doubt these layers were used to extrapolate a date up to the 9,000 year figure using the datum figure of circa 12,000 years given by the geological reports from the area. This was all achieved through assuming gradual deposition of sediments, uniformitarianism. However, it must be stressed that the archaeologists were not there to observe how the sediments were built up over time and how long it took to emplace them. This is all subjective guesswork. But what of the reliability of the carbon-14 dating method itself? For the inquiring reader, a useful summary of the theory of carbon-14 dating, also called 14C, dating and its assumptions is available at creation.com. Carbon-14 dating suffers from the same category of unreliability as all dating methods. For example, the experimenter was not there to observe its initial formation, nor its history to the present. In the case of 14C, this is essential. Several factors indicate the 14C clock is unreliable. Firstly, different species of plants take up 14C at different rates, and this, if at all possible, has to be corrected for. Secondly, the atmospheric ratio of carbon-12 to carbon-14 has not remained constant. For instance, in recent history, the Industrial Revolution and also atomic testing has changed the ratio. The Earth's magnetic field has not remained constant, and this affects the carbon-12 to carbon-14 ratio by changing the number of cosmic rays entering the Earth's atmosphere. The cosmic rays displace neutrons, and it is these energetic neutrons which convert nitrogen into carbon-14. 12C contamination can arise from volcanic carbon dioxide which alters the carbon ratio in the wood of trees growing in the area of a volcano making the wood appear older. The end of the Ice Age also affected the atmospheric ratio of carbon due to the release of carbon from cycling of fresh water with saline. And lastly, the flood drastically changed the carbon ratio by burying unquantifiable amounts of 12C in vegetation, thus giving an inflated age of any sample tested. For more information on supposedly ancient 14C, see the footnotes to this article at creation.com. In short, to base one's faith upon such fallible methodological assumptions is foolhardy indeed. But sadly, many have their faith shipwrecked on the assumptions of such faulty methodology. When it comes to using 14c to build chronologies for history involving biblical events, the stakes become much higher. For instance, dating of Jericho's fall using 14c in 1995 has simply brought confusion. Firstly, the calibration errors, standard deviation, of carbon-14 dates are often beyond the window required to settle a site's age to within 50 years, and this is often where the argument lies. Secondly, there is an acknowledged problem with the 14C dating for the period of 400 to 800 BC. This is known as the first millennium radiocarbon disaster area, as 14C produces obviously false dates for this time period. From the graph in this article, it can be seen that no amount of calibration will cause the graph to yield true ages between this archaeological significant time period. Michael Bailey, a dendrochronology expert, has said of this phenomenon, The immediate conclusion is that it is impossible to sensibly resolve the radiocarbon dates of any samples whose true ages lie between 400 and 800 BC. This is a catastrophe for Late Bronze Age, Iron Age, archaeology, although one which has been predicted for some time. 
It is reasoned that this calibration difficulty was produced by an increase in the atmospheric radiocarbon produced by a changing dry warm to humid cool climate driven by solar, cosmic ray, and Earth magnetic field changes around 700 BC. Analyzing tree rings for yearly growth would seem to be a sure way of fixing chronologies. It is widely held that trees develop rings that mark a complete cycle of seasons, where each year, there would normally be expected a pair of light and dark rings, representing spring and autumn wood, respectively, in the tree's life, thereby providing a method to calculate a tree's age. Once a tree ring pattern, which relies upon the thickness of rings, not just their number, has been established, this can be compared to older trees and archaeological timbers, so as to extend chronology back in time. This is the theory of dendrochronology and has been explained thus. Once it had been shown that a distinctive ring was commonly produced in a given year, a similar ring found in a similar position in another tree could logically be used to date natural internal markers which have been extensively used in dating individual rings, especially in Europe and America. Such uniformitarian approaches have been used to construct extensive chronologies of Britain using archaeological wood remains, specifically in Ireland. Significantly for biblical creationists, a timeline for the growth of Bristol Cone Pines, Pinus longiva, growing in the White Mountains of Eastern California, has been calculated at 8,700 years. One tree dubbed Methuselah has been tree ring counted to 4,600 years, which, assuming the chronology of the Masoretic text in the Old Testament, places it well before the Flood, which is clearly incorrect. Creation Ministries International has pointed out that the Bristol Cone Pines can grow multiple rings per year due to their dry environment. Extended chronology relies upon correlation of prone dead wood, with similar ring structures, which are then dated using 14c. Where overlaps with identical ring structures are found, the chronology is considered to be extended. This is a highly subjective endeavor, which also implies prone wood lay around on the ground without rotting for thousands of years, which is demonstrably false. The entire method of 14c dendrochronology correlation is therefore an exercise in circular reasoning. When it comes to calibrating 14c to these extended tree ring chronologies, Further uniformitarian assumptions are made about the unobserved past, which do not take into account either the Ice Age or the Flood. Also, evidence from fossil tree rings shows that climates were warmer and wetter after the Flood, and subsequently dried and cooled to present-day levels, thereby affecting tree ring growth in a non-uniform way. Significant doubts were raised over the uniformitarian guiding principle behind dendrochronology at a 2015 Association of American Geographers annual meeting in Chicago. The presentation by Dr. Henry D. Grisino, Mayor, was provocatively titled The Long Steady Decline of Uniformitarianism in Dendrochronology. What if the present is no longer the key to the past? The presentation discussed evidence that change in tree growth rates since 1963 is due to non-climate factors. Computer software developed to analyze the statistical factors between climate-tree growth relationships over time suffered from divergence. That is to say, the models used to calibrate the data were themselves calibrated, 
resulting in data that no longer fitted the model's predictions, showing climate-tree growth relationships had shifted. The following conclusions of Grassino Mayer's paper effectively bring the entire methodology of dendrochronology into doubt. He states, Uniformitarian uniformity as a principle may actually be an archaic assumption for tree ring research in which we analyze trees which are nonlinear dynamical systems. Tree ring chronologies which express a significant response change with climate should be used with caution, or in some cases not at all. For such large-scale reconstructions of past temperatures, since it is not possible to quantify whether such nonlinear response changes have also occurred in the past, dendroclimatologists should evaluate whether the climate-tree growth relationship is stable over time. If the climate-tree growth relationship is not stable, then any reconstruction that arises from that relationship may be uncertain and suspect. Ironically, though, Uniformitarianism supports temporal instability, that is to say, temporally unstable relationships in the present therefore also occurred in the past. Dr. Grisina Mayer's five concluding remarks sum up what creationist researchers have been saying for years regarding the faulty thinking of the uniformitarian assumptions behind the method. He has, in effect, shown a light on the dark art of dendrochronology and found it wanting. If researchers were not there to observe the tree's initial environmental conditions and measure the growth and relationships to changing seasons through history, then any models built on simple linear factors will be wrong. When major events such as the Ice Age and the Flood are ignored, the history derived from the dendrochronology calculations must be false. The uniformitarian assumptions of historical constant rates are too simplistic. Therefore, the science of dendrochronology is no threat to biblical history, which can accommodate the data. When it comes to claims of great antiquity for the earth and humanity that far exceed that of the biblical timeline, we must treat them with extreme skepticism. The dates provided by the archaeological reports, and often trumpeted in the media, are based on seriously flawed methodologies. We have no reason to abandon biblical inerrancy and the true account of earth history as provided in the scriptures. The investigators' own presuppositions have driven their conclusions, and the flaws within the methodologies invalidate any claims of reliable clocks upon which to build a reliable chronology. So, as biblical creationists, we need to be aware of these factors and carefully qualify secular claims of great antiquity with an informed and reasoned critique of the data. Particularly, it is necessary to separate out facts from interpretation driven by the presuppositions of the investigator. Scripture will always remain the final authority by which we measure and compare data, and by which we build chronological models of Earth history. Models in secular chronologies may come and go, but the Bible will always remain true. People want to understand where we all came from, so the scientific community, religions, and education systems have each rose to the challenge to give answer to why we're all here. One way or another, we are all limited by the number of facts and opinions we can gather and assess. Evolutionists and creationists should both be aware of the facts, though, no matter what, before they draw conclusions or debate origins and reality itself. 
If you want answers to evolution's most perplexing claims, you'll want to get a copy of the Creation Answers book. It provides biblical answers to over 60 important questions that everyone should be informed on, like what about carbon-14 dating? How did all the animals fit on the ark? Where are all the human fossils? And how did bad things come about? Not only does the book answer your questions, but equips you to effectively respond to those that resist the gospel due to the theory of evolution. The Creation Answers book is a must-have for everyone's library. So get a copy today at creation.com forward slash store. I am Joseph Darnell. For all of us at creation.com around the world, thanks for listening.